Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. Find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. As you can see on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube, it's a two-man show tonight. Before we get to the introduction, and Dan, I was going back and forth and how I wanted to do this, but I would like to you know, bring it up right now. Over the weekend, we all know that we lost a pillar within the fantasy football community. As many of you know, Mike Tagliera, Fantasy Pros, lost his battle with COVID-19. An incredible and knowledgeable fantasy football mind. And we had the opportunity to talk with him a while back. And he was kinder and more genuine, if at all possible, after and before the show, before we hit live. Um, you know, so somehow an even better person than an analyst. And the outpouring support and love that we have seen on Twitter and on other podcasts and shows that kind of that speaks volumes to the type of person that Mike was. So from the dynasty theory family, we send our thoughts and love to the family and friends of Mike Taglier. And if you are able to, we kindly ask that you donate to the GoFundMe, which was created to assist his family throughout these absolutely terrible times. The link is in the show description, whether you're watching on YouTube or the podcast feed, please donate whatever you can a dollar, $10. It doesn't matter. Rest in peace, Mike. Yeah, man. Well said, John. And just to add a sentiment, you know, we do this because we love it. And, and for our listeners, if they don't know, like Mitch, John, and I, like it's kind of like a like fate of luck that we kind of connected in this fantasy fantasy industry. We've never even met in person yet. I know it's on our to to do list, and COVID's kind of delayed that. But you know, one of the reasons we've been at this for what 135 episodes is I think we all have that mutual respect and know we're good people at heart and love the people that we've met in this industry, whether it be from our leagues or from our podcast and for our guests. And when you bring up tags and I think back of that episode with him, you know, it started off as, hey, you know, JB, Mitch, this is awesome tonight. Tags is going to be on the show is, you know, I look at my Twitter favorites list and he was on there. You know, just someone that you have respect for in the industry that you follow, you try to improve your game and, and, and model after someone who's grinded incredibly hard to get where he, you know, he was in the industry. So to lose someone, man, even though we don't know him personally, you know, it's just that same connection that by you and Mitch and I have after, you know, working together for a few years. So he's going to be missed. And to his wife, Tabby, who we saw, who's keeping us up to date on Twitter there. Um, prayers out and then hopefully our listeners do contribute to that fun and, and help this family any way that the fantasy community can absolutely all right we do have an episode to get through tonight um there's a few backfields we want to talk about it's never an, an easy segue and unfortunately this is the second second time we've had to do this within the fantasy community just since we've been recording and it's always difficult to jump into a, a show after kicking off with that. But like I said, we have a few backfields we want to discuss and there are several where it's kind of a murky backfield, right? There are question marks, whether it's usage volume uh, in general, how these players are going to be deployed uh, on a weekly basis. Are they going to be used in the passing game? Are they just going to be used on the ground? Is it going to flip flop every other week? So we want to try to navigate through some of these situations and I said in our Discord earlier today, and this was not a joke, I have four pages of notes tonight. I was I was very uh, I I am revved up for this episode, uh, you know, trying to to build myself back up here. Um, hey, hey, one way to rev up is you know always good to pick on Mitchell. You know he's not here, and, and for our listeners in the Discord, we all know the reason he's not here is because of Tommy Trumbull and. My wonderful prediction, you know, and, and Mitch is just eating crow. And he, what, what do you tell us, John? You know, he's being a family man tonight, you know, being a great dad that he is. But we know partial truth is Tommy Tremble. And I, I'm going to save more of the humble brag until next episode. But, you know, I don't think that was much a of a humble brag. Listen, listen, I know Mitch is over there trembling, if you will, from the trembling. Trembler the fan club. But Tommy Tremble, I mean, 
you, you strike lightning in a bottle with one touchdown. Come on, that's it. Even though Dan Arnold's on his way out now. One I, touchdown, and they trade their starting tight end to get this guy some more PT, JB. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good there, man. All right, Positive we'll see. Vibes. Now, now I'm getting revved up. You're right. Bring it up, Tommy <laughs> Tremble. That, that pushed my buttons here, Dan. But let's talk about some of these backfields, shall we? So to start off, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Green Bay – when we go through these situations, I really just want to discuss whether or not it's played out up to this point the way you expected. And if it has, has it just reaffirmed your previous values of these players? And if it hasn't, in what way has it changed? And I like how you're framing that. I'm reading this good book right now. It's like, you know, you know what you know. And one of the, the concepts of this book, JB, I don't have it in front of me there to, to give a title right now. But it talks about not getting stuck when you're wrong, you know, admitting when you're wrong on something. And after three weeks, we've got three weeks of data points right now. As we go through these backs, you know, I'm kind of curious, you know, hey, was I wrong? Should we be trading for them? You know, should we be going after guys that maybe we made a mistake on? Some of these situations, are they exactly what we kind of pegged and, and so forth? So this is going to be a fun breakdown here to see where we are after three weeks. So with Aaron Jones, oh, I, didn't, I didn't even know your name to me, man. I, I I thought we were still hyping it up there. So we're looking no. at Aaron Jones and uh, no, we're Mr. jumping AJ right Dillon. into it. We're, we're not dipping our toes and we're going straight in off the deep end, off the diving board. AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, especially after that huge splash game we saw from Aaron Jones two weeks ago, a lot of hype building after that miserable week one in Green Bay, which we kind of touched on, uh, you know, immediately after that week one horrific performance. Yeah, some of these scenarios we hit on, and Aaron Jones was one of them, and we weren't panicking by any means over that week one performance. You know, and in week two, he he went ape. Like, he was just off the rails there. You know, you wish you had him in, in DFS and our dynasty teams that had some shares. You know, it, it led to a very good week. And then came week three, and it was a little bit of a different story again. But isn't I think this is one of those scenario, scenarios. Isn't it just what we thought it was going to be? Isn't it just playing out to be the typical Green Bay backfield situation? If anything, I'm, I'm I'm saying Aaron Jones is as expected, and AJ Dillon's where I'm just a little bit underwhelmed right now, as he's not really moving the needle at all for me. So, Dillon, I'm a little bit concerned. You know, of his prognosis long term. Aaron Jones, I think he's a great guy to have on your fantasy team. But I got to expect a little bit of a roller coaster ride with a Green Bay offense and, you know, the future of Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay, of course. That's exactly it. And I think we are going to see that bit of a roller coaster throughout the season. So every scenario that I touch on tonight, I'm going to be bringing in a lot of numbers, a lot of usage data points that I've been putting together and pulling from various resources and putting together in one spreadsheet database for our patrons which is extremely easy to access and it's at their fingertips and I'm providing notes on a weekly basis. So what we have seen with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, and I think what is most surprising from what we've seen AJ Dillon, he has five targets through three games. That's a lot for him. That, that really is. But like you said, he's not getting used elsewhere. Aaron Jones, he's picking up over 70% of the rushing market share. When you look at the running backs the last two weeks. So AJ Dillon, and it, I think a lot of people were expecting it to be, or at least hoping it would be like a one a and one B situation. It is a one and barely a two situation. Like AJ Dillon really isn't getting that work. Everything close to the goal line, Aaron Jones is getting six carries inside the 10. That's the six most among all running backs through three weeks here. And I don't know about you, Dan, but for me, if I have Aaron Jones on my team and I'm a contender, I don't mind riding this out for the year because I do think there's going to be those splash games throughout the season. I think we can expect him to get the heavy utilization on the ground the targets, I think that's going to be the roller coaster. One week, it's going to be 5%. One week, it's going to be 20%. And who knows how it's going to go. But I think the big question here, and I'm going to throw this over to you, if you have Aaron Jones, and we're not panicking yet by any means, but we're 1-2, and two, we're 0-3, we have Aaron Jones. And as time progresses, and it's week four, week five, week six, we're not really going anywhere. I, I'm going to be looking to move Aaron Jones. And I have a few scenarios here that I want to run through, but I want your thoughts on his overall value and what you're looking to do with him. 
Yeah, and that's a good scenario of, you know, you are at that roster that's one and two, oh and three. And okay, hey, you're thinking Aaron Rodgers isn't coming back maybe next year. You're thinking, hey, Aaron Jones just got his big payday. He might be a little less incentivized as we go. Um, you know, if I could get the draft capital and just make sure I'm still staying stable at the running back position, I would be looking to move Aaron Jones. Now it's definitely in those scenarios, JB. If I'm a contender or even if, you know, maybe I'm one and two and I know it's an unlucky one and two and I'm really confident I'm going to turn that roster around, I st- I, I may hold there because I do want to contend. And, and watching those Green Bay games, which, you know, we were lucky to two of the last three weeks, they've been a primetime game. So we've gotten to really get our eyes on that for that franchise. He looks really good. Um, you know, he, he's, he's got that typical explosion. He could he's running routes. He's moving all over the place. You know, just and we saw the last game. Green Bay is going to be competitive. You know, Aaron Rodgers is back. He made his statement. He's going to be good. I will touch on those five targets you mentioned of A.J. Dillon. Again, having had the opportunity to watch two primetime games, they're not like these schemed screenplay targets. Like they're not, you know, there's like 10 yards cushion on them and they're making sure they're double covering Adams and not letting right. MVS be- beat him deep. And he's just like the, the last check down that no one's covering him. So, again, I haven't seen anything there that's really caught my eye for encouragement, Mr. Dillon. But Aaron Jones. He's good. Yeah, and it, it's more of a question beyond 2021. What can we expect? He's going to be 27 years old at the tail end of the season. I believe he turns 27 in December. And there are a lot of moving parts in Green Bay, which you already alluded to. Is Aaron Rodgers going to be there? Is Devontae Adams going to be there? How is that team going to look? And if we don't have the upside in the red zone in the 10-yard line, like I already mentioned, is Aaron Jones going to be returning the numbers that he has been? And I don't know the, the answer to that. So again, I'm not saying give him away. That, that's not what we're saying by any means. But here's a few scenarios. And not to go into too much detail, just to get through this, though. Do you think you can move? I'm going to throw four players out here. And it's all plus. And for one of them, it's plus plus because we're going to need a little extra with that guy. But you're a contender and you have Aaron Jones, but you want to be able to get that production while also having that insulated value like we always talk about. So would you move Aaron Jones as a contender? I don't even now that I look at this, I don't think you could. I put for Eckler plus. I don't think you're getting Eckler plus for Aaron Jones right now. No, I don't think so either because Eckler's also in a great situation there. And they're in that same tier. Like I have them right next to each other pretty much in my rankings here. So that would, yeah, be, so that would be tough. Scratch that one because I do think they're going to be valued too closely together. What about the backfield in Cleveland? We saw explosions from both of these guys throughout the season so far, and we're going to touch on them a little bit later. But Kareem Hunt and or Nick Chubb plus. And I think the plus obviously is going to be a little bit more with Hunt. But are those either – would you go either of those routes to pivot off of Aaron Jones? I would be – enticed to do so knowing I'm getting a little bit younger Nick Chubb and I think Cleveland's got a more stable situation for a few years to come and of course you know there's some negatives there with Mr. Uh, Nick Chubb and hoping he'd get a little bit more receptions like Aaron Jones is capable of and we look at timeshares and we'll talk about that as we look at these running backs that one could get a little bit complicated at a time where Aaron Jones is more the guy but I'd be intrigued by it JB I'd be talking with you that's where we have to look at the situation where you said the stability. And we know Baker Mayfield's going to be there. We know that Stefanski is going to be rallying the troops there and things have been looking on the up. So maybe a hunt plus. I even put this down and I'm putting myself on the spot here. I mean, if you can uh, get the production of Kareem Hunt, which again, and we're, I don't want to get ahead because I know Cleveland running backs are on our. our what what list, about right? Hunt in a first? Do you think that could get done for Aaron Jones? And would you want it to? That could be a win-win. That could be a win-win because you're still going to have production with Kareem Hunt, and then that's it. Yeah, you've got that first-round pick that says, "Hey, I'm getting max value for Aaron Jones before I can't get that value," and uh, I think each side of that deal wins. And the other player that I had here, and I, we're going to get to this so it's gonna be a good segue but chase edmonds and again this is not listen it's not aaron jones for chase edmonds this is the one where i have the plus plus what's that plus plus well maybe we can get into it here but another backfield arizona chase edmonds running back 16 james connor running back 42 as of now after three weeks before i throw it over you dan this is kind of played out exactly as i thought it was going to like mitch and i thought it was going to in our projections on the ground, they're essentially deadlocked, 50-50 split, with Chase Edmonds putting up heavy usage in the passing game. 
17 targets through three weeks. That is elite uh, receiving upside there. Uh, the big difference, obviously, the, the receiving work that Chase Edmonds presents, but the eight carries inside the 20 for Connor, three for Edmonds. So again, and we saw it this past week, James Connor, there's two inside the five-yard line touchdowns. So for me... Chase Edmonds, he's a back that I'd be looking to acquire as a contender. I think he's a guy that I would be more than happy to put in my running back two spot that you're not going to have to break the bank to go out and acquire. So if you're 0-3, maybe I go out and offer two seconds and see if that gets it done. Because again, I believe I'm contending. I'm looking to solidify that my backfield. I could have him as my running back three or a flex play, but I'd be comfortable if I had to, to have my running back two in full PPR. Uh, Edmonton, Ed, Ed, Edmonton, holy cow. I'm th- I don't even, You're going don't hockey know there. The Edmonton yeah. Oilers, maybe? We're, we're, we're going up north here. So Edmonds for Singletary plus a second. That's my second. I believe I'm contending. I want to get out of that Buffalo backfield or Moss in a second. And then, Dan, another one here. You might hate this, but Edmonds for Damian Harris in my late second. I, I'm starting to, again, I, I talked about getting off some of those takes that I was heavy on in the preseason. I have some that I'm, I'm happy the way they've materialized. But the Buffalo backfield and the New England backfield, when I compare that to Arizona backfield right now and just how that Arizona offense is, is really clicking and the pass receptions that Chase Edmonds is getting, JB, I, I think I could come off Damian Harris. I definitely could come off the Bills running backs. Um, but but even Mr. Harris right now, is there's some issues popping up there. This is one of those backfields in Arizona that I think both do have a place on the roster with obviously the edge going to Chase. I'd even consider moving Aaron Jones for Chase. What What is that plus, John? See, and that's you, what I was saying. What What if we could do – you have Aaron Jones. You're You're contending – the the manager that has Chase Edmonds is contending. Do you think you could swing? And just, I don't I don't know if this could get done. I haven't tried it yet. Aaron Jones for Chase Edmonds plus a twenty twenty two first and a second. Do you think there's any chance that gets done? And that's something I would want to explore. I think. I think that's a good a good point. I was thinking Chase in a first, but Aaron Jones is he's. He's a weapon, so I, I think you could open up with that offer without being insulting, and then if that counter came back to me, chasing at first, I, I think I'd probably hit accept these days. Depending what the first is, maybe, you know, like if if it's a powerhouse team and I know that first is going to be guaranteed at the end. Here, I got to ask you, do you have many shares of Aaron Jones? I have a few, and I have a feeling tonight around midnight, tomorrow morning around 8 a.m., I'm going to get a few offers trickling in involving Chase Edmonds. I feel it. I feel it in my bones. You may be stirring that up there. I don't have the Aaron Jones shares. Uh, that's, uh, I'm I'm light in that area, but JB, I can see that happening for you. And we know we know the ceiling for Aaron Jones. Like, let's go back to the Green Bay backfield because we're talking about Arizona Green Bay possible trade scenarios. We know Aaron Jones is going to get that red zone upside. We know Chase Edmonds. So far, his floor for a target share through three games is twelve percent. But he's going up to 23, 24, 25%. And it's not like uh, the wide receivers haven't been involved. This offense has just been explosive. Kyler Murray, quarterback one overall, really leading this team. And they're putting up points, whether it's Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins, of course, he's involved. And Chase Edmonds, uh, of course, being a main beneficiary in the passing game as well. So what I'm looking at here, those are possible scenarios for Chase Edmonds that I'm looking at personally. I think... Packaging a Singletary Moss, Damien Harris, or a couple seconds together gives me an opportunity to win based on what I believe Chase Edmonds' production to be throughout the rest of the season. Now, beyond 2021, there's question marks for Edmonds, Aaron Jones, Devin Singletary, Damien Harris. There's question marks across the board after 2021. And I, I saved when we were preseason and, and I was doing a lot of best ball drafts. One of the things I was looking at was that week 15 to 17 implied total over team average. And, and I talked a lot in past episodes about the Niners and really trying to get some Niners in my roster. But Arizona was second on that list. And we're seeing here through three weeks before they even get to that soft week 15 to 17 schedule, how explosive that offense is looking and how heavily involved those running backs are. Now, I was a little heavier on the Connor side than I was the Chase side. So I, I have... So, you know, a little bit of regret, but I'm still happy with Connor. I mean, he's getting that red zone work and they're, you know, when the team's playing good, there's a lot of touches there. Yeah, I was too. Uh, uh, somebody that I really targeted in best ball drafts throughout the off season, 
James Conner, who's dirt cheap, but he is going to have those splash games. If it's a team that struggles inside the five and they're able to pound the ball, James Conner is going to benefit. Still getting a ton of work on the ground, but like a less than 5% target share, I believe, up to this point. So it doesn't necessarily offer that. Somebody jumped in a chat earlier today and said to op- open offer James Connor for a second. I didn't even think about sending that second that I- I'm not there. Even after that game again, Chase Edmonds, I think that floor and ceiling is there on a weekly basis. James Connor. It just isn't there. The floor isn't there. Yeah. Connor's the flex play, you know, bi-week player, injury player. Like I said, he has a, a purpose on your roster, but Chase, you could start week in and week out and feel really good about it. Yeah, so I think we're on board there. Chase Edmonds maybe a target that we're looking for in our dynasty leagues. But again, if you're contending making that push this year, and who knows what happens beyond 2021, maybe we get a bargain here and he he sticks around in, in Arizona and really has a role there in that offense. I mentioned Cleveland earlier, and I'm trying to get through this because we have a lot of backfields we want to get through. There aren't a lot of straightforward backfields, unfortunately. They're not cut and dry, black and white. There's a lot of gray areas here. So Cleveland, two. This is one of two backfields right now that has two running backs in the top 10 in PPR. We have Nick Chubb running back nine, Kareem Hunt because of that great week three running back seven. Dan, how do you view these two? What are you doing in Dynasty? Have you looked to make any moves one way or the other with these two guys? You know, we're looking at all these backfield situations, and I, I know I, I chatted or sent a message to you after uh, this weekend's games. I'm like, JB, what about these running backs, man? Because yep. it is just like committee central, and hopefully we're helping our listeners kind of decipher a little bit uh, through the weeds and the muck of all these committees. And then the Cleveland backfield, to me, it's the same as the preseason, JB. You know, I, I believe the Brown, I believed in the Browns in the preseason. They were one of my top five offensive teams, and I think that's important because – there are a ton. They're mostly all committees in the NFL these days, but this one is better than most running back duos. Um, I would say to our listeners, you can't be surprised with last week. Like this doesn't tilt me and say, Hey, Kareem Hunt's the guy. Now I'm worried about Nick Chubb. No, we saw this last year. Like we saw this exact same scenario play out last year. And we went back and forth on, on Chubb and Hunt and what their values are. Uh, so for me, I mean, to me, Nick Chubb's the, the guy, and there's just enough volume. And there's some other offenses that we're going to talk about later that's starting to catch up with this. Um, but they got a one-two punch that are both going to produce. There's enough produ- enough touches for both of them to go around. Again, you got to level a little bit of expectations. You're not always going to get that high ceiling game with Nick Chubb. You're not always going to get this cream hunt blowout game. You got to be prepared for some some lower production games along the way as well. But, th- but they're not going to give you goose eggs. You know, I mean, that, that team's just too productive. Yeah, and like you said, this is what it looked like during the preseason, our expectation. It's what it looked like last year. If the Browns are in control or leading, Nick Chubb is going to pound the rock. And we saw that he still had 20-some carries this last week against Chicago. But if he doesn't find the end zone, we know that is going to be a problem for his fantasy production. And you're going to be a, you know, just a little bit disappointed. Uh, so far, three weeks in, 10 targets for Kareem Hunt, three for Nick Chubb. So we're not really seeing any involvement in the passing game from Mr. Chubb, but we are seeing, as expected, the red zone usage. 11 red zone carries for Chubb, only six for Kareem Hunt. Something I'm looking to do, even as a contender, possibly just shopping around Nick Chubb. If there's interest at that running back nine price that we, you know, that's where he's sitting at now, I'm going to explore that. Again, I'm not saying... Get rid of Aaron Jones for nothing. Get rid of Nick Chubb for nothing. But you are doing yourself a disservice, always, if you are not exploring opportunities. Get in the chat, DM managers, throw blind offers out. Heck, I don't care. But if you're not trying, your your level of success is going to be limited. So if I can capitalize on Nick Chubb, I'm, I'm interested in doing that. So I hope to see some offers in my inbox here because of that. Same thing that we talked about with Chase Edmonds. I'm looking to make the exact same moves for Kareem Hunt. I really am. While this is a committee, it's a committee where two players can be successful. So let me package together even a Damien Harris in a second. Uh, We're going to transition to the Baltimore backfield here in a minute. I have been trying to move Tyson Williams. Trying. I picked up 50% roster ship. And I was lucky enough to move him in a few before this committee really got really muddied. But if I could do Tyson Williams, 
a second and a third for Chase Ship Edmonds it. or Cream Hunt. Yeah, I, but again, I, I don't, I don't think that's enough. Okay. Williams, two seconds, maybe, maybe we can talk there. I don't want to move a first. We we've talked about the 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 value of these picks, and while the twenty twenty two class certainly is underwhelming at this point in time, and the value is a little bit lower because of that, I, I'm still looking to keep those picks, especially in super flex and tight end premium leagues, but. I'm looking to make similar moves, like I talked about the Chase Edmonds with Kareem Hunt, uh, and it's it's going to be very difficult though. You're you're not going to be able to just pick off Kareem Hunt from somebody's roster if they're contending. Like I know if I go to you, Dan, and you have Kareem Hunt, Chase Edmonds, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, and you're contending, I'm not I'm not going to be able to just say, hey, here's two seconds, you know, throw Hunt over my way. It's not going to work. And heck, there might be a situation that I say, here's a first. And you might say, JB, that price is going up, buddy. Yep. You know, I love that you said it's worth exploring. Like, don't just not explore. And I, and I do have some Nick Chubb rosters. Um, for personal reasons, I don't have Kareem Hunt rosters, but uh, rostered on my team. But with Nick Chubb, like, even if I don't intend on trading him, what harm is it me for me putting him on the trade block or kind of throwing it out there? Because sometimes you'd be surprised the offers that come in and they, I'd be like, oh, wow, I didn't know I could get that for him. I didn't know someone was willing to pay that. And then you end up with a really good situation. But I don't know if you want to touch on our listener comment there, JB, from Jay I, I was, Green. I, I think that's a good one. I was getting to it. So what are your thoughts on Nick Chubb's longevity, Dan? And then do you think his insane efficiency coupled with the timeshare makes him a little bit more likely to avoid the running back production cliff or at least delay it? My thought, again, not with any scientific data or anything to support it, I'd be surprised if he hit that cliff and just, boom, disappeared. I think he's going to grind his way to uh, several more successful seasons, at least around that 12 to 18 range, and his ceiling's already capped. So I think that's one reason that it's going to be maybe a more gradual decline from a fantasy standpoint. I don't know. That's just my thought, though. Yeah, no, I think Jake's thoughts are, are right on. He, he kind of laid it up for us because Nick Chubb is in the ideal situation. He's with a team that uses him really well, the, the very smart offensive coach and staff. Nick Chubb takes great care of himself. I, I think he's young enough where he could play himself into one more contract uh, p- potentially. So I, I think he got a lot of good years out of Nick Chubb. And I think we always talk about what are we playing for in Dynasty? We're not looking too far down the road, um, but I think he's definitely going to guarantee you a few very solid years. And we hear it all the time. We hear in our Discord chat. We hear it on Twitter. We hear it everywhere. Nick Chubb is one of the most difficult assets to move if you have him. And somebody actually asked earlier today, hey, guys, I have a team. It's probably not going to contend this year, but nobody's given me face value, or at least what I think is face value for Nick Chubb you're not going to sell at a discount just to sell, I, you know, hold him. And, uh, you know, I'm reading Jake's comment here. It was the alley-oop, it, you know, and, <laughs> and we came home with the dunk or at least a, a nice little layup, but yeah, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, that situation a little bit different. The one year age difference certainly favors Nick Chubb, more stability in the organization, possibly looking beyond 2021, but there was more competition and cream hunt is not just going to go away. And then Demetric Felton getting involved in the passing game and Nick Chubb really not seeing anything there, but uh, a backfield nonetheless, that is very intriguing. Certainly with two players in the top 10 now a backfield. that's not very intriguing to me at this point. And I'm going to go through this very quickly. I want nothing to do with the Baltimore Ravens backfield. I, like I said, I did my best to move Tyson Williams before his first game. And then after he had that strong first game, I wanted him gone and I really couldn't move him. Uh, We just saw a juicy matchup against the Lions, right? And that run game was completely neglected. Williams gets 30 to 50% running rushing market share. That's a tongue twister across the last three weeks with that number declining over the course and then getting the routes, but not getting targets in that offense, which we're not surprised because Lamar Jackson rarely looks to the running backs in the passing game. Uh, And then one carry inside the five in three weeks. So it's not like that Mark Ingram situation. Yeah, he's not involved in the passing game, but we know he's going to get those touchdowns. Tyson Williams, Latavius Murray, Devontae Freeman. Heck, Patrick Ricard is getting involved. I want nothing to do with it. I Tyson Williams, I, I, I don't, you know, we saw that Detroit matchup. I was fooled this week. I played him in a few spots. It won't happen again. I promise you that. 
Yeah, this is like the land of the temporary toys or, or maybe misfit toys, however you want to call it. You know, let, I mean, the temporary port- toys. What? Like, like none misfit of these to- misfit toys. Well, I'm throwing temporary because I don't think any of it's going to stick. I think they have a major <laughs> running back issue and I have zero confidence in anybody there. I mean, Le'Veon Bell came. I, I drank a little Kool-Aid for a week there thinking he was in like mega great shape and there was no one else. And then all of a sudden uh, I have this busy day at work and I, I, I blink and go to our discord and see like all of a sudden they sign every running back under the sun. Um, I never liked Tyson Williams. He's got some bursts that, you know, they're, they're I think not happy with him. He doesn't hit the hole. He wants to bounce it out and he's just limited. There's, there's no pedigree whatsoever there. Latavius Murray at this point in his career is just average. And then, you know, they're getting Devonta Freeman in there, I think just to get creative, but the Baltimore Ravens are passing more JB. They're passing more. Like this is like Lamar's passing offense. If Marquise Brown could just catch the football, I would have won a lot of DFS money this week and my, my Raven stack, but he he decided he just wanted to drop three easy catches. So, but but they're throwing a lot more, and this isn't your typical Baltimore Ravens running game. Yeah, and it's just a situation that I want like you know, we don't want anything to do Zero. with whether it's the usage or the fact that they can't commit to one heck even pick two and we can live with that in that offense because we've seen it with Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram Gus Edwards and JK Dobbins we've seen that and if you're throwing three four guys out there to get them involved with more passing attempts it's something we don't want to take part in and there's a really good comment here from Owen basically the week the 17 game season now Teams seem to be limiting stud running back usage, but this is something that we've been talking about. It's been a gradual progression. I feel like more teams using that committee, fewer teams using that bell cow. And now we're even seeing it with running backs like Ezekiel Elliott that have historically been a bell cow, but now Tony Pollard is getting used pretty frequently. And you, you know, you're in a situation where two guys can be productive fantasy wise. So I think that's a good comment. I think, I think there's a difference though, JB. Because, you know, when you look at Pollard and Hines and Hunt, you got three talented guys that have been with their offense for a few years. So those coordinators are saying, hey, how do we get these guys more involved? You know, how do we limit the wear and tear on the Chubbs and the Zeeks and so forth? Okay, but, the- but Jamal Williams in Detroit, though, this is his first year in, the, in that offense. In the, True, but that Swift, Swift's, Swift's eating, man. Swift's got some good pr- production there. He's, he's, he's a top running back in, in PPR scoring leagues right now. So I just think it's I guess it's different than the Baltimore situation. I like the point that Owen makes, but when we look at trends and you look at Baltimore, they lost their number one and two really good running backs to an injury. That's hard to make up and 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 produce. So I don't think it's anything trending with Baltimore. I think they have guys that just are limited with talent, don't know the offense. Like there's so many things against them right now that I think we need to temper the expectation. I think it's gonna be a passing team all year, other than you know, Lamar hey, running. And I read that question as unrelated to the Baltimore situation. Okay, okay. That that that's the way. So I want to make that clear. That oh, the NFL is trending that way. Yeah, as a whole. Yeah, that that's the way. And and one of those running backs you mentioned, Naheem Hines. So the Indianapolis Colts. And Dan, before I throw it over to you, let me just throw a few facts out. So you you skipping you skipping to the Colts? We we coming back to Washington? No, I'm so excited. I'm jumping the gun here. I'm scrolling too fast. Now let's go back to Washington. Okay. So Antonio Gibson running back 19, JD McKissick running back 38. So there is a trend here. We have three weeks and it's been gradual, but it's been in the same direction each way. So while Antonio Gibson had that massive touchdown in week three and everybody was roaring and screaming from the mountaintop. See, this is what happens when you give Antonio Gibson the ball 70 plus yard touchdown. Antonio Gibson's route percentage versus dropbacks has declined every single week, week over week. And guess who's has increased week over week? J.D. McKissick. So nine targets for Gibson so far, eight for McKissick. Running back rushing market share has been elite for Antonio Gibson. We're talking 75, 80, 85% on the ground. But Washington, with that defense, the way that they have been underperforming, I could see some negative game scripts here. And if you are splitting those, tar- the not just targets, but targets too, nine and eight, but the the routes run and the opportunities, that is not very reassuring for Antonio Gibson. So while he's getting the, the work on the ground, uh, you know, one carry inside the 10 in three weeks. How much of that has to do with Taylor Heineke? How much of that has to do with the defense that is, you know, they're falling behind 
and they're forced to throw the ball. How much of it is just the, the scheme and the lack of commitment to a bell cow, even though he's getting on the ground, but let's see it in the air too. And I just think he was really bolstered by that one touchdown. And I never want to say, well, Dan, let's take that big touchdown away. Cause I, I hate when people do that because it still counts. There's no asterisk. He got the points, but if you're looking at the box score, that could be somewhat deceiving. I think he saw two targets this week. And then before I turn it over to you with what you're doing with Antonio Gibson and dynasty, I wouldn't, I would look to shop him. Of course, I'm looking to shop everybody, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, but I will say don't shop him yet. They have Atlanta next week. And I think that is going to be a prime matchup, but then guess what? Saints, Chiefs, Broncos, Tampa Bay in a five-game stretch. Four games that they could potentially fall behind early. And if they're going to throw, we've already talked about Antonio Gibson's usage in the passing game, and that is a concern. All right, Dan, I can get a breath. Take it over. You, you stole a bit of my thunder there with hold for one week as my DFS st- study and saw Atlanta and then started to look ahead, man. But otherwise, this gets a big Scooby-Doo ruh-roh. Like, I am worried here about Antonio Gibson. And in Dynasty, you know, he's a guy that I loved his rookie season, got great value. I'm a Cowboys homer, so I traded a lot of my Dynasty shares because I got great value when, when, when the hype was up. But we got into this offseason and, you know, my redraft leagues and best balls, I says, hey, I'm not going to be a Cowboys homer. You know, a dynasty startup, I was like, all right, Gibson, man, he can get that CMC volume this year maybe. We're hearing those, those, those rumors spike up. And now through three weeks, this is one of those cases, John, where I says, hey, man, I am not holding on to what I believed in the offseason, and I need to adjust because if I don't adjust, I'm not learning in the game of fantasy football. And that's an important piece. You know, we all have our takes. We own them. We stick by them when they're good. We admit when we're wrong. If we don't admit why we're wrong, we don't grow. But I am thinking Antonio Gibson is RB2 permanent. I do not see RB1 in his in his his future here. I think he's an athletic dude that is could be electric when he gets the ball, as we saw in that big touchdown, as you mentioned, John. But I'm hearing there could be some pass pro issues. J.D. McKissick, as much as everyone hates, like I see our chats blowing up on game day there on our Patreon only. And he's it's a like, pro's pro, J.D. McKissick. Like, he like I feel like he's the guy that a coach likes. Hundred percent, the, the type of guy that a coach likes, and fantasy managers get irritated every week because J.D. McKissick's just creeping around. Just he is that guy, around. man. He is that guy. He, I watch the coaches talking to him on the sidelines. He's an intelligent football player. He knows how to get open. He knows down and distance. He's just smart. He's good in pass pro. You know, you're not taking him out on third down, and I think we got to accept that. So, advice: enjoy Gibson this week. Don't trade him this week because you're going to get not yet. You, you have the opportunity to get some good production versus Atlanta because they stink. And then I would sell. I think now is after that Atlanta game is going to be opportune time to sell Antonio Gibson. Like I said, Saints, Chiefs, Broncos, Tampa, if they fall behind and we don't see that usage again on the ground, that usage is tremendous. Like we're talking um, more usage on the ground than Nick Chubb based on a, a percentage. Uh, at this point, probably more than Zeke. So we're seeing bell cow numbers, but we're not getting the close to the goal line carries. And I know a lot of people are sick and tired of hearing me talk about the usage and the utilization inside the 20, but those are the high value touches, right? And that's one reason I like James Conner coming into the season. And it took a few weeks, but we finally saw that inside the five work. And uh, Owen in the chat, Gibson was more of an athletic freak than a college football stud. If I'm not mistaken, wait for a Gibson ball out and sell. I, and I think that's Atlanta. And again, if you get a, an offer of a first, I'm, no, that, that's not enough. We're saying cash out at, at peak value. And I, I think you're going to see people willing to pay that running back six, seven, eight price tag. So we're not saying get rid of him just to get rid of him. But another guy I am looking to shop after uh, he pommels, pommels the Atlanta defense. And Dan, you know what's going to happen. He's gonna have like three fantasy points against Atlanta. Like it's McKissick, just gonna be McKissick's one of the, gonna go off. Yep. But yeah, JD McKissick, he's not going anywhere. So that's a situation that I don't know that Antonio Gibson's overall usage really grows as the season progresses. But there's a situation that I feel a little bit differently. Jonathan Taylor running back 28, Naheem Hines 22, running back 22. Based on 
off-season projections, and this isn't my projections, but you go on sharp football stats and you look at weeks one through three, Jonathan Taylor up to this point and the Colts have faced the second most difficult schedule through three weeks in terms of defensive rush efficiency and the 13th easiest in terms of running back receiving efficiency. So you're going against defenses that are more susceptible against running backs in the air and are stout as heck against running backs on the ground. This is a recipe for disaster for Jonathan Taylor. So three weeks in Jonathan Taylor running back 28. Don't panic. We talked about this last season. We saw it last season. Then what happened? Things really started to turn on as the season progresses. And Owen, another comment in the chat, he says, where is it? There it is. Jumping around on me. I think high end running backs will ball out towards season end. And this is a situation where I think that is the case over the rest of the season. The Colts are slated for the sixth easiest rush efficiency schedule. Looking at their matchups, Taylor leads all running backs with six carries inside the five yard line, converting for zero touchdowns. So we talk about positive regression. I know that's a term that make people want to vomit and I get it, but this is a case where I think it's true. So Jonathan Taylor, if there is a discount, I don't think there's going to be, but if there is, I am looking to acquire, I am not moving Jonathan Taylor. And somebody asked uh, in the discord, Hey JB, a few of us still play redraft. So they dropped a redraft question in there. And, you know, some people got some jabs in the chat. Well, I thought there was a dynasty theory. Uh, but they said, is Jonathan Taylor a potential buy low in redraft? Yeah, absolutely. And if I'm going against my uncle Larry and he watches two games a decade and he really doesn't follow anything. He's in my home league and I don't plan on seeing him until Thanksgiving. Yeah, let me take advantage. Let me get Jonathan Taylor and then let me really rip into him on Thanksgiving. How did you give me Jonathan Taylor for that? Sorry, Uncle Larry. Sorry. All right, Dan, I'm done talking about my family members, even though I don't have an Uncle Larry. But If, if I'm rebuilding or struggling, JB, <laughs> like how you, you just disregard. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving Uncle Larry out of this one here, man. <laughs> I, I was I'm in some deep thought here looking at it, the Colts schedule too, and you're kind of keeping Jonathan Taylor for four potential good weeks this year that you're hoping because they get the Texans twice, they get the Jets, and um, there was one other cupcake on this, the Jaguars on the schedule there. But other than those four games, man, I'm really worried about the Indianapolis Colts. They've got Michael Pittman and a bunch of guys to to throw to. Zach Pascal, red, red zone elite, uh, red zone elite target. Pascal's finding a way to stay relevant there, but the O line's really hurting, man, and, and the injury bugs keep keeps getting them more and more. Like this could be a real long season for the Indianapolis Colts and Jonathan Taylor. And when you get to the Texans in Week Six, what if he throws up a dud versus the Texans? Like, what if he has his last two games has been like six point three points, eight point two fantasy points. Then he gets the Dolphins at Miami, and then he goes to Baltimore. Let's say he throws up two more games of six and eight points. So now after four straight weeks, you are frustrated. You're like, okay, it's Texans time, man. He's going to bounce back. This is the game. Let's just say he throws a softball, you know, a, a dud or a softball versus the Texans. What are you going to do, JB? Are we going to be, it's what not, are we going to be talking about in week six? We're going to be talking week about how, how, week seven. How was I able to acquire Jonathan Taylor for so little? Is I it going to happen? I don't think, I don't think anybody's selling for, for pennies on the dollar. It's not happening. But there is that rumbling that, well, if we're concerned about Clyde Edwards, a if we're concerned about uh, Antonio Gibson, like, you know, we mentioned him, his use in the, the passing game. Well, we got to talk about Jonathan Taylor's use in the passing game because it's been almost non-existent. But again, I do think from a rushing perspective, that schedule will open up a little bit and hopefully Jonathan Taylor can take that heat off of Carson Wentz because, you know, Carson Wentz, he's only thrown one interception so far. But great, like he's really not doing much. I think he has he's making other mistakes, though. It's, right, it's, right. That offense is struggling. It is. I think he has three passing touchdowns. This offensive line isn't what we wanted it to be. Right. Mm. So hopefully things start to turn around. I know Quentin Nelson was was carted off, but maybe it doesn't sound like a longer term injury. But he was injured in the offseason. So there's a lot going on there. But that's my thought with Jonathan Taylor. But I do think Naheem Hines still has a role in this offense. But it's the it's the typical receiving back 
lame answer, right? Oh, he's going to be good in best ball. He's going to have his splash weeks. He's going to have his duds. So I would say pay attention to those games where the teams they face are stronger against running backs on the ground than they are in the air. And if it's potential negative game script, which who knows, maybe for Indianapolis, it's going to be a lot lot. of negative game scripts. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, this was a comment in our chat earlier from our, our guy, TJ. And he said that he thought he saw the Colts uh, lead the NFL in uh, the number of plays when they're playing from behind or something like that. So those game scripts, they're not JT friendly, but I am expecting a bounce back. So don't panic. Don't panic yet on Jonathan Taylor. All right. But a guy we're panicking a little bit about just because he's out for a few weeks. Doesn't sound like he's hitting IR, but a hamstring injury, Christian McCaffrey really quickly. My value of Christian McCaffrey is not changing at all. He's my running back one overall. Just he's too explosive, too much. He, he gets 20 points, and you're like, oh man, that was a terrible game for McCaffrey. I thought he was gonna get 40 today. But I do want to spend time on Chuba Hubbard. We're not even gonna mention Royce Freeman because that I have a lot of Royce Freeman on my teams. It doesn't he it's not his opportunity right now. It's Chuba Hubbard. So what are you looking at here from a production standpoint over the next few weeks? And if you have him on your roster, you can differentiate if it's a contender or a rebuild. And if you don't have him, I, like I'm not actively looking to go out and acquire him. No, I mean, th- this is one where Christian McCaffrey, JB, I mean, mind you, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little, a little sad here, you know, a handful of dynasty shares and he was in my DFS captain spot last week. And that was a little heartbreaking. because I would have had some good money in that Dallas game, I believe. Um, and I am happy that the, the Panthers are McCaffrey less versus my Cowboys this week. But his hamstring is is on the mild side from what they're saying. So you figure he's going to miss the Dallas game, and then he's he's probably going to miss the Eagles game the week after, which that stinks because that could have been a smash spot versus the Eagles. But you're going to get him back versus the Vikings, and I think he's going to be, you know, knock on wood, find the rest of the way. So you're looking at two games out of Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard, and uh, you know I love uh, messing his name there. It's, it's, what was that old bubble gum? Was it a Hubble bubble or what, what was that? Ch- Chubba Bubba? Hubba Bubba? I'm going to have to Ch- look that up there. And Chubba Bubba? So I think that's the issue I have. You know, I'm aging myself again here with that old bubble gum that used to be out. But for Chuba, man, like, I don't know. My expectations are a little limited versus Dallas. I, I don't know how much he's going to do versus the Cowboys. Um, I mean, their, their defense is, is playing well. If, you know, you're limited, he, he could be a flex player. He might be okay for a week. I, I definitely liked watching him at the game. I don't think he's a Mike Davis, but I think it's a very running back friendly offense. So he's going to get touches. He's going to get some volume there, but I would just temper your expectations. I, I don't think the ceiling is, is you know, what we would like in that, that Carolina offense for Mr. Hubbard versus M- Mr. McCaffrey, but he is going to get touches. I think he'll score some points versus the Cowboys. I would definitely start him versus the Eagles in two weeks. And then you're probably going to, he's going to be on your bench unless McCaffrey gets hurt. He is a guy you want on your bench, though. I mean, you, you definitely want CMC's handcuff, and he is that guy, and I don't think he's going to lose it. He looked good enough in that last game where he, I think he belongs in the NFL. Yeah, and that's why I said I don't want to spend time on Royce Freeman, even though I wanted it to be Royce, but it's not his, it's not his backfield to lose here with Christian McCaffrey out. So we have a question in the chat. What is Chuba Hubbard? worth in let's just say 12 team super flex but dan just like you mentioned because we know that these these soft tissue issues they linger at times so if you have chuba hubbard and you're contending do you maybe just hang on to him if if he offers that that instant starter handcuff uh opportunity and he's not a guy like you said he doesn't have standalone value He's not a Tony Pollard at this point. He's not Naheem Hines, not even J.D. McKissick. So unless McCaffrey's out, Chuba's nowhere near your starting lineup. But what if he re-aggravates it in week 10, week 11, somewhere around there, and now you have possibly a a back-end running back one, maybe mid-running back two at your disposal to throw in during the fantasy playoffs? Yeah, 100%. Like, even going into this season, I tried to roster him definitely anywhere I had Christian McCaffrey. I wanted that backup. I was confident he was going to be that backup. Best balls, he was just one of my favorite handcuffs. And then anywhere I could get him. So now we get to the season, and you you watch McCaffrey through his first three games, and he looked like 
Tecmo Bowl Christian McCaffrey, man. I mean, his volume is there, but he was taking some licks. So, you know, do I think it's just a hammy? He's going to rehab. He's going to get back to full strength and be fine. Yes, but he is getting a lot of volume. He probably is, you know, definitely susceptible to get hurt again. And I think you do want Chuba on your rosters there 100% because if McCaffrey's out, he does have standalone value and he's a guy that's going to get the touches. Is he, again, with, with McCaffrey there, is he a Pollard or something like that? No, but the hope is he grows into that. So in Dynasty, I want him to grow into that role. So I have some depth in my backfield that I feel good about in years to come. So let me ask, you have Chuba Hubbard right now. I offer you a 2022 second. I think I would turn that down if I had Hubbard. I agree. You know, one, I know I have some value just hanging on to him just in case this year, especially if I have McCaffrey. You know, the, the owner who has McCaffrey might even give me more. Um, I, I'd be inclined to turn that down at this point. And That's where he belongs. He's a second-round pick. If we did a startup right now or a rookie draft over again, he would be in the second round. And then what are your thoughts on after McCaffrey comes back because of what you talked about with the possibility of eventually him growing into that Naheem Hines role, even though Christian McCaffrey is explosive in the passing game as well, but somebody that could compliment Christian McCaffrey. So he doesn't have to get 40 touches a game, maybe going out and trying to acquire Chuba Hubbard at a discount because now Christian McCaffrey's back. I think that might be an opportunity and something that I might want to explore. And again, if Christian McCaffrey, if he would, re-aggravate that hamstring as the season progresses now i got a chuba hubbard at a great discount 100 percent, you know and I, I try to get some shares throughout you know leading up to the season and beyond i even traded maybe one i'm sure there was someone thinking the same way that you know looking to get that value of of chuba um jb he, he's a guy that's gonna have a role we're talking about all these committee backs caroline is not dumb they, they want to take some pressure off mccaffrey they know they need to they can't keep letting him take all those hits it's just a matter of hey mccaffrey's still young and in his peak prime here and chuba's still learning but once he gets up to speed let him get through the rookie season let him learn how to prepare for games let him learn how to take care of himself get stronger in the offseason and come next year i wouldn't be surprised if he starts seeing a little bit of that mccaffrey volume going down uh, and Hubbard getting some more touches. Similar situation here in Minnesota with Dalvin Cook, the injury. But this one, uh, you know, it, Dalvin Cook come back and play in week four. But Alexander Madison popped off in week three. He had, I think it was like 90% of the running back touches, somewhere around there. But he was explosive with the opportunity he had, and he was a fantasy monster in week three. I would be less inclined to go after him the way we just talked about Chuba Hubbard, though. He's a few years older. You, you know, I, I, it's a tough one, JB. Like, I went into this offseason saying, hey, I want to pay a little bit more attention to the handcuffs, not slide like I kind of have in years past on, on those backup running backs because the last few years we're seeing it more and more. Guys get an opportunity. Everybody's spending all their fab, you know, the – hanging on to starting jobs and being key contributors and Madison's look good. You know, I mean, he, he looks like, again, another guy that belongs and could potentially get a starting job at some point. You know, I, I, I know Mitch is normally our contract man there. I'd be curious when his contract is up. It's, it's gotta be coming sooner than later. I don't know how many, if you pull how many years he's been in the league now. Um, but he is a guy that I could say he's going to look for that opportunity and not want to be behind Dalvin cook forever. He's a frequent he, athlete. He's currently 23 years old. Contract runs through the 2022 season. So he's at least going to be there through then. But and Dalvin hasn't so, stayed healthy. I mean, no, every he year at some point he's he's been out. And then Minnesota, same thing's got to know that. And so I, I think he's again one of the better handcuffs to have. Would I rather have Chuba? Yeah. I, I just think Carolina's running back friendly for fantasy offense uh kind of stands out to me i mean we saw it with mike davis last year how he was just you know amazing on his own there and getting the volume just the way they run that offense um i think it's a little bit better situation he's a little bit younger but you can't get chuba i think madison's a good next guy up what, what are you after. paying for him what are you paying for him let's say dalvin cook is in fact back in week four here but the injuries that could pop back up who knows because of his age, 
opportunity when Cook goes down. Minnesota's got a very nice offense and the potential to start in two years. I have no problem with that second-round pick, just like Chuba. Again, I might go after yeah. Chuba first, but but I think they're in that same value category. And I, I don't mind that. I, I, I don't mind that at all. So maybe that's something I'm going to look to pursue. I'll take a mental note here. Just did it. That was the sound of a mental note. <laughs> Chuba Hubbard, when Christian McCaffrey gets back, I'm going to look to acquire and then same with Alexander Madison for Dalvin Cook because you go out to acquire now, it's gonna be it's gonna be too expensive in my mind, in my mind. All right, one of the last situations I want to discuss here, and this will be quick, but Chris Carson running back thirteen, and I did not think I was gonna come into the season and say these words, but here we are. Travis Homer scares me. Just listen, week one, Chris Carson. Ran a route on 65% of the dropbacks. Week two, enter Travis Homer. 49% of the dropbacks for Chris Carson. He ran a route on. So down 16%. Week three, we are down to 24%. And this is a game that they were trailing to Minnesota. Chris Carson getting almost all of the running back rushing attempts. So this goes back to Antonio Gibson. And Chris Carson gets the carries inside the five. Unlike Antonio Gibson, not necessarily getting that that uh, opportunity because of the way the offenses are quite different. But now this is more of a pass first offense. It appears currently ranked 28th in terms of total team rushing attempts, Chris Carson, 41 rushing attempts uh, out of the team, 63 attempts with like 11 coming from Russell Wilson. But there is that limited ceiling. Like I want Travis Homer to go away. I miss the days where Rashad Penny was just on the bench and that was right. fine. But Travis Homer is stealing opportunities from our guy, Chris Carson. So if I can look to move Chris Carson, I might look to explore that opportunity because I think we're going to see a lot of, like we talked about earlier, a lot of seven, eight, nine, 10 point games. And ultimately that's not getting the job done. So again, explore the opportunity to move Chris Carson. I love Chris Carson, but Travis Homer is that pesky gnat that we can't get away. And it, it, it scares me a little bit. This whole Seattle backfield. I mean, just you and I both being uh, on the Chris Carson bandwagon for, for a few years here have never really felt comfortable in that bandwagon by, by any means because right. of injuries and, and coaches convictions, so forth. Um, you know, I feel your energy there coming through the mic for Travis Homer. I see Owen in the chat saying he loves Homer. I'll say I like Homer. Um, he was a guy that I did have on some benches. I probably cut him in the offseason a little bit. I would call him a poor man's J.D. McKissick, maybe. I think but he I, definitely has a, I, a role on that football team. But there's still like not, Alex Collins. There's still Penny somewhere lingering there. He is a little bit pesky, Yes. I would trade a fourth round pick for him maybe, or he's probably on the waiver wire and and, and, and he's one of the guys you, you potentially could get on the waiver wire and not feel too bad about picking him up because he could help you at some point, depending on the health of that backfield. No, no, no. I, I, I do not want Travis Homer, but him being around certainly Concerned limits Chris Carson. Carson's upside. That's the thing yep. here. I, no, I'm God. No, I don't want Travis Homer. What do you think? I'm crazy. I mean, I'm crazy, but not that crazy. But Chris Carson, that that upside is limited. So if I'm going to sit here and knock the the usage from Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire I talked about last week, I'd be a hypocrite to not bring it up with Chris Carson here and to say, ah, you know, it's going to yeah. change. Three weeks in a row now, that has declined, his route participation. And whether or not it's just Travis Homer coming in who can play that third down role or the way this offense is going to work, Chris Carson... I. I'm going to look to cash out if possible. I'm not saying go go get a second for him, but see what opportunities are out there. If a contender needs somebody, maybe the opportunity is there. That's all I'm saying. And Dan, uh, you have 30 seconds here. Zeke and Pollard, just because we talked about him last week. And last week we said, go out, or two weeks ago, or whatever it was, we said, go out and buy, look to, look to acquire Zeke. I, I, we feel pretty good in any place that we acquired Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I feel really good about our analysis on both of these guys, man. You know, we, we were right in saying Zeke was not washed, we, and we were pretty con convinced, convincing about that. Tony Pollard, we said he's got the juice, you know, get him too. And I think this is very similar to the Cleveland Browns situation, but, you know, maybe some more pass-heavy weeks, obviously, in Dallas because they got more weapons and a quarterback that could sling it a bit more. But as, 
you know, they said McCarthy last night, he's looking ahead to that, you know, December, January schedule. There's going to be some cold games on the road. They know they got to start playing some more smash mouth football and run the ball. And they showed that last night and they did it very well. As long as that old line's healthy. Um, I think those guys are catching up with Cleveland. They're two running backs that have no issues having love them both. And then another tandem that we talked about last week or two weeks ago, all the shows run together at this point, but Deandre Swift and Jamal Williams. And I said, based on what we saw to start the season, Jamal Williams was a guy that I was still looking to acquire. And I think Mitch kind of scoffed at me. I think I got some smart comments from maybe coach Dan. I, I can't remember exactly, but through these last few weeks, that's still continuing. And I think both are going to be heavily utilized. Two guys that are currently in the top 10, two guys in Zeke and Pollard that are currently in the top 18. I think those are trends that could continue. Is it going to be as strong as it's been through three weeks? Probably not, but still guys that, that we're okay having on our team. So man, we got through all those running backs in an hour. That was good. That was pretty good. Final thoughts. And now I cut you off mid-sentence, but Dan, hit us, with your, <laughs> hit us with your final thoughts, 136 episodes in. Man, uh, how many episodes did you say? 130? 136. Wow, look at that, man. That's awesome, man. 136 episodes, an hour long. It was imp- impressive, but Mitch wasn't here, JB. It was only the two of us when we went an hour, so I don't know if we did as good as we thought. I'm not sure, but you know, considering you had four pages of notes, hey, hopefully our listeners got a lot out of our takes there on the running backs. And, uh, you know, now that I got that running back analysis out, I'm going to start zeroing in on some receivers a little bit more, man. I got, there's some muddy situations there that we have to kind of navigate through week four. We've got three weeks of data points. So I'm starting to feel, you know, more confident trying to figure out this, this landscape. And, uh, did we talk about Tommy Tremble? I'm not sure if we did. I think we did in the beginning and I think we'll talk about it more next week, man, but free agent wire, if for some reason he's out there, Carolina's new starting tight end. I mentioned it here live on Dynasty Theory a couple weeks back. Everyone scoffed at me. Tommy Tremble, he's going to have a good season and contend for rookie of the year, maybe. I don't know. He's definitely going to give Kyle Pitts a run for his money. Has anybody ever, just after their first season, they said, you know what? You don't have to play anymore. You're a Hall of Famer. That's maybe what we're (laughs) talking about. With with the Tremblers, that's his fan base. The Tremblers. I might have I to think, ta- I might have to change some fantasy team names, John, to the Tremblers. Thank you for giving that to me tonight. Do we need to copyright something? Should we trademark Dan and the Tremblers? I I think some that that that, that has a ring to it. But I oh God, Tommy Tremble. If we ever talk about him again, I'll be very upset. But I, you're talking about Tommy Look Tremble. Out. I'm I'm getting gross here in a second. Ready? Last week to close the show, I talked about Pat Fryermuth. I was happy with his five targets. I was happy with his touchdown against Cincinnati in week three. Sure, things opened up because of the injuries at receiver. But here's one that's really gross. Let's say you had CMC, Dalvin Cook, Dobbins, Akers, ETN. You're you're battered and bruised with the injuries. You need somebody to throw in, to just get them off the waiver wire for nothing throw them in you you need to fill one spot it's a deeper league are you ready dan it's gross do you have your your paper bag ready to i'm sitting down man what do you got once james white went down in week three the week the 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 route participation in the passing game just listen jj taylor 14 percent damian harris 23 percent i didn't realize this fan was 31 years old but brandon bolden 36 percent he he could be used in the passing game. Listen, seven, eight, nine PPR points is better than zero. And I listen, I want to see somebody. You are drinking, you are drinking your analytics Kool-Aid over there. Too, too many data points. Brandon Bolden has done this before. I saw you post that in the in the Discord today, but I chose to pick and choose my battles, and I didn't pick that one. But you're bringing it up here at the show, JB. I do appreciate it. Look, Owen agrees, flag him. That's like saying Kyle Juice. The juice there from the Niners and their fullback, you should pick him up because he had a good week. No, That's just no, Bill but- Belichick having as an occasional, you know, let's use Brandon Bolden because who knows what Bill Belichick's thinking over there, him and Coach McDaniels. All right, this is my final thought. My <laughs> final final thought. They have the, the Buccaneers in week four, okay? They're going to fall behind. They're going to fall behind early. Check down, check down, check down. Can we make a wager here? If, if Brandon Bolden puts up... 10 PPR points in week four. Can we get something going here? 
It's on. And it's got to go with We also have that. We we have the bet we didn't make yet with Tremble and Fryermuth. I'm, I'm still standing by that bet. We didn't come up with anything yet. But I, I'm saying Tremble outscores Fryermuth this season. And as far as bold, and I do not, I, I, I'm happy to bet that he does not get 10 points. It is so, in, in week so four. dirty. I got a shower after the show. <laughs> I feel so filthy. But listen, we're in some 14 team leagues. We're in some 16 team leagues. Heck, I'm in a 20 team league. Things are nasty out there. It's cutthroat. You need that win. Your, your projection is within four points. And you're like, all right, Dalvin, I need you to play this week. You're you're my RB one here. I need you to play. You're out. Now I got nobody. So it's it's Tony Jones on my bench, Tyson Williams, or the savior, Brandon Bolden. I'll take those first two, man. Those first two guys both have no. potential to outscore Mr. Bolden there. I, I think you better take take your temperature after the show as well there. <laughs> Tell Mrs. Bauer we we want a temp check in, in another minute here. I'm just saying. 10 points, it's gonna it's gonna win somebody a game. I might have to stick him in, in one of these ugly lineups just to see if I can get the job done there. But this was a fun episode. Um, you know, like we said to start off the show in the description on YouTube and the podcast feed. Uh the first link on this episode is the GoFundMe for the Taglier family. We want to thank all of you for tuning in each and every week. Make sure you check out the Patreon where we're putting out even more content on pretty much a daily basis. For Dan LaMagna, Mitch Sorensen, who will be back next week. I'm John Bauer. We'll see you next week.